Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday to everybody. Today is January 9th and we are again, I can't believe in 2022. This is your girl Diva D of the Diva Dens podcast. And again, I want to welcome you all for tuning in and listening to me today. Today's episode two is about alcoholism. I will be sharing how alcoholism and trauma, how it really, really, you know, affected me and how it plays such a major part, you know, in my addiction, you know, with drinking alcohol. A lot of you are probably like, wow, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know that, you know, that it was like that. But yeah, so I really get to share my story and get to really talk with you guys and give you, um, you know, some insight on what's going on with me. Maybe my story will inspire a lot of people. Maybe there's a lot of people that are currently in the same situation that I'm in. That's like, wow, Deidre, you know, thank you for even being honest about it. Maybe I can inspire them, you know, to try to travel down the road of sobriety, but it's, it's, believe it or not, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. So with that being said, again, I want to say welcome. Um, I am again, your girl Diva D. It is my pleasure to have, for those who are listening, for those who are really supporting this brand, I want to say thank you. Now, I'm going to pause for one second because when when it comes to my podcast, you guys are really going to understand as I go along, I will jump to one thing and then jump to another, but I'm going to always backpedal and go back to where I left off back. So I know y'all expect for me to just, you know, go flow through it all the way through. No, I'm going to stop and get off subjects every now and then, but believe it or not, I'm going to get back to it. So, and it's going to happen to be one of them right now, but let me just share this exciting news because I know you guys can hear it in my voice, but I am so excited. Let me just say this. And I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart. Like right now, I wish you guys can see me, which you will soon because I am working on getting a video camera where while I am podcasting, you guys will really get to video and you guys can get to see me, you know, and see how I'm set up and, you know, really get to, I I think when you, when I can record it and you guys can kind of see me live, it kind of makes it more personal. But for right now, you know, this is just what it is until I can, you know, finish, you know, doing what I, and it's a lot of work that I, that, that needs to be done, but Hey, I'm getting there. But let me say this to all of my followers and my supporters. I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I launched this um, podcast New Year's Day, January 1st. That was last Saturday. Now, I am from a number driven background in education, you know, and all in marketing. So I know the metrics. So for me, it's important that I pay attention to the numbers because the numbers determine my audiences and it determines my followers. And it's also a good thing because along with having the numbers, I'm able to get other companies that come to me to allow me or may want me to sponsor their brand, their company on my podcast where I can, where I can monetize it. Right. And I can, you know, obtain a certain percentage. So that's basically what it's about. But it's also about having proper content, being able to make sure that it's authentic and me being who I am. So this is just what that is. All right. But I want to say to you guys today, well, yesterday made one week because it was a Saturday. So I'm doing it today on Sunday. And I want to tell you that when I tell you that these damn numbers is growing, I had to literally sit down last night in my 
in, in my kitchen and I got teary-eyed because I can see it on my phone too, as well as on my laptop. But the phone for me is more accessible because I can log on and being that it's my account, I'm able to see the back end. I'm able to see the graphs and to see the numbers. And I'm very, very familiar with kind of sort of how the background worked from years and years, you know, of learning experiences and failures. And, you know, as you fail, you learn as you go along. So I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for believing in me. And just thank you just for just saying, you know what? This sister has something to say. I, you know, just just thank you. And, and, and with that being said, because I'm about to start crying, you're going to get applause for that. You know, thank you. Thank you, my followers. Y'all don't even know. I feel like a star <laughs> right now. And then, you know, with the way things are going, it's a good thing because not only would my podcast be about me just talking, you know, I'm going to have very, very influential guests to be present where we're going to talk about everything. Listen, I got a lot in my bag. You know, I've just bought me a vision board, which is a desktop portable vision board. I'm writing my notes and going back into my books and pulling out all of my stuff over the years that I've written down, all of my content, everything. Y'all don't know, I got a bag of tricks for years and years and years. And this, and when I was looking at dates, I was looking at dates from like 2008, 2009. I said, damn, you was ahead of yourself. You were way before, you know, you were very, very ahead of your time. But I guess that was my way of manifesting and putting that in the universe, as I always said about laws of attraction. So with all that being said, let me jump back to my episode two. And like I said, you are now here with your girl, Diva D of the Diva Den. And this is my podcast. I like that. Let me say that again. This is my podcast. Oh, damn. Some, 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 somebody going in and hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. And I'm going to be silly too, but at the same time on a serious note. So today's topic is about my um, battle with alcoholism. So yes, guys, your girl is an alcoholic. Um, uh, It spiraled out of control over years and years and years. Um, I wanted to share with you, um, you know, my story. So it all started when I noticed that it spiraled out with me drinking heavily. I'm not going to lie. I'm a late boomer because I I really, I've never indulged in alcohol until I probably was about 31, 32, seriously. So to me, I was young. You know, excuse me, I was a late boomer. You know, a lot of people, you know, encountered when they was younger. I remember the very first time that I smoked a joint. I was probably like 15 years old and I smoked it. Me and three of my other friends that I grew up with, and I'm not going to mention their names, but two of them was already, you know, they, they, they were like masters in it. And see, back then, that was when they had what is called the tray bags and and and, and the, the weed was called Cess at the time. And there was a place in Brooklyn, I ain't gonna call the location, but if I'm talking about it, everybody gonna know, I know exactly what she's talking about. But there was a spot in Brooklyn where you can go cop the weed. There was this pink and gray house and you could just go over there and cop the weed. And back then they sell them loose smell, little bronc, excuse me, excuse me, what's wrong my talk today? Okay, they were like in those little, um, brown little um bags and you got the trade bag and back then the word cess you know everybody was smoking cess buddha buddha and cess so i never you know smoked it but this particular time at 15 me and three other young ladies but like i said two of them were already well-rounded now the girl that was the very first time i heard the word the word blunt because back then i knew people that were using bamboo that would roll it up. But now the girl was like, I'm going to go get a blunt. You know, and she was Western. And let me go get a blunt. Man, me be right back. And we all like, all right. 
So where I lived at, we had two courtyards. We had one in the front, one in the back. Now I'm gonna tell you, those times it was different because the way that I grew up, you know, we were very respectful children. So we were very, you know, careful, you know, you know, not to get caught. We didn't want nobody to know what we were doing. So we went into the second courtyard, way in the back. And everybody know where that damn ramp is, way in the back. And we over there. And this girl rolled up this damn blunt in 2.3 seconds. I said, damn, you know, she, she, she's an assassin. Like she rolled that shit like one, two, three. So, you know, on her cousin, you know, they pulling that shit and they pulling it and she, she, um, you know, smoking it, making O's out of it. But back then we were smoking cigarettes too. So me and my friend back then, I tell y'all no lie, loose cigarettes was seven cents. Shout out to Shamburger because I used to go to goddamn Shamburger and go get them damn loose cigarettes. Shout out to Shamburger. Maybe if he's still here, and if not, may he rest in paradise. But anyway, and we will go right there to either Shamburgers or go to Miss Barbara's and we'll go buy the loose cigarettes. So we in the back, me and her smoking. It was like, nah, come on, no man, just take a puff, just take a puff. Peer pressure. So I'm looking at my friend and my friend listening to it. She know what she, I, I know she laughing. I know she laughing. If she listening to this podcast, she's going to say no Deidre didn't, but I ain't mentioned no name, boo, right? So me and her, you know, we tried it and I'll never forget. I took one pull. I swear to God, I felt like I was paranoid. One pull. Me and her, the same sign, Capricorns. We don't indulge in that shit. Now, both of our sisters were straight fucking stoners, straight stoners. One sister was a stone and drink, and I know my sister was a straight stoner. So to them, at that day, we never smoked with them, but we knew they smoked. To them, that probably was nothing. Me and her, we was like, nah. So I'm like, I can't go home like this. I'm paranoid or whatever, whatever. So that was my very first and last time at that time ever indulging in marijuana. Now I get in my 20s, my ex straight stoner. Now let's go to my 30s. Now I'm fast forward. Remember I told you guys, I always go back to where I left off. So now we're going to go into why I say I'm a late boomer with, you know, drinking and when I was smoking marijuana. So get in my 30s, my early 30s, you know, met a friend of mine, my girl, Ashinka Shea. Yeah, I call her Ashinka Shea. And we all used to work out together in Long Island. You know, me, her, my two sisters, and we all used to work out there. So this place, this is the most racist goddamn telemarketing place I've ever worked at. God is my witness. When I tell you racism to the fullest, I promise you, we're going back to like 2003, 2002, 2003. Could have been, yeah, racist to the fullest. But they had it to where they had a bus that will pick us up under this trespass right on Jamaica on Sufton Boulevard, directly across the street from the Long Island Railroad. There was a, a Dwayne Reed on the corner. And under that underpass, there was a yellow, but a big yellow bus. So anybody from Brooklyn would have to come there and catch the bus. It was like a two hour ride from where we were at in Queens to get to Long Island. I remember the location as I go along, I don't remember, but we have to ride out there. Then coming home at night, we got off at 10. The bus, they had two buses. They had one bus that go to Queens. They had one bus that go to Brooklyn. So the good thing about coming home for those who live in Brooklyn, the bus will drop you off at Brooklyn. So now, Every night when we all get off from work, because this place had us like we were in prison, believe me. We worked from, I think it was from two o'clock in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night. We were only allowed one hour lunch. And for anybody that remember marketing, where it was at and who worked with us, they can attest to this. Believe it or not, in that town, when the black people, and I'm talking 2002, 2003, when the black people came out for lunch, 
all of the white stores except for this um grocery store and this pizza shop all the other stores will shut down for an hour you can ask my sister tasha you can ask my sister tiffany they can attest to it because all of us work together so they would bring their own lunch and during that time in my life i was struggling hard i didn't have shit that's another one of my stories but anyway I would have a couple of dollars, you know, to go run and go buy me something to eat, like a pizza or whatever, but they will shut down. This is how racist this place, the whole, the whole goddamn area. So anyway, so we get off at 10 and a lot of people, you know, you allow a five minute cigarette break. If you're not back in five minutes, they're going to lock, they're going to write your ass up and they're going to dock your pay. I cannot make this up in 2002, 2003 for real. So with that being said, I'm saying that because when we all got off from work. Everybody is so quick to rush outside. And the black guy that was driving us back to Brooklyn, this old man, if your ass ain't on that bus by no later than 10, 15, I swear to God, you will be surprised how many people was left. Like he was like, I'm out of here. Cause I, I believe that he was even racist amongst his own people. But this mother father, he would just leave. He wasn't waiting for nobody. So everybody busy running outside to smoke their cigarettes real quick before we get on that two hour bus ride. Everybody smoking like two and three cigarettes. Then you got people rolling up their weed. Everybody smoking. So that's how I came in contact with smoking weed. So my friend Ashinka Shay, she was like, you know, Didi, take a hit. And I'm like, all right, cool. Peer pressure again. But, you know, I started smoking from then. Her and I wound up becoming best friends to this day. And, you know, she used to live with me. So now I got her here. You know, she know we smoking. And she was like, Didi, you ever had Hennessy? I said, I've heard of it before. And I've dated a guy that drank Hennessy back when I was in my 20s, but I never, you know, never indulged. She's like, take a little sip. She said, drink it with Coca-Cola though. So, you know, at this time, you know, in my 30s, you know, I'm really coming into myself because in my 20s, I was in a, you know, a domestic violence relationship. So it was kind of, it was really a dark place. So I'm drinking, drinking, you know, and that's how I started drinking alcohol, you know. And as I went on, you know, Hennessy was my thing. Everybody know Deidre, Hennessy, 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 Hennessy. So let's fast forward to why I'm now where I am now. About, I think it was last year. I want to believe so it was last year. Last year, um, and like I said, I drink. I drink and drink and drink and drink, like everything. When I'm going through something, you know, when 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 I feel a way about something, I got to grab a drink. You know what, Deidre, you got to drink, you got to drink. All right, cool. So last year, I'll never forget, um, my fiance, he had bought me, um, back then, I was like in a Smirnoff apple. I don't, I never knew the sizes of alcohol. I can walk into the liquor store and I can just point to say, give me that one. I can't say, give me a pint, half pint, whatever. I can point and say, let me get that one right there. And he bought me, I don't know what size it is, but it was the size of um, Smirnoff where it had the handle on it. So he bought me that. But let's keep in mind that I already had Hennessy in my cabinet. He drinks Ciroc, but he's not a drinker. His bottle of Ciroc last and last in my house like two or three months. You know, he if he feel like he want to take a little sip because he, you know, he's a truck driver, so he don't indulge in none of that. You know, I'm the wild card. But you see how we balance each other, thank you. But anyway, so I'm like, all right. So it was already liquor here, but I was like, you know, and he's the type of man, you know, babe, on my way. What do you need? Need anything while I'm out? If you don't, you can't think of nothing right now. Just text it to me while I'm out in the street. Got you. So he hit me up. I'm like, yeah, you know, get me the bottle of um, Smirnoff Apple. He got the big one. Like I said, Smirnoff Apple, my big bottle of Hennessy Privilege, because that's what I prefer, my choice of drink. Um, his Syrah, 
Then I had two bottles of wine. I had a bottle of Barringer Red Moscato, Barringer uh, pink, White, no, pink, yeah, Barringer Pink Moscato. So it was Red Moscato, Pink Moscato in my refrigerator. Never been touched. The Hennessy, I might have drank a little bit, but the apple. Now, mind you, this is on a Thursday. This is last year. I think this was probably around about, I think it was before we had um, went away. I think it was before we had gone away. So it had to be around about June. So he gets the liquor. And, you know, this is on a Thursday because he will come and stay Thursday through Sunday. And then Monday through Wednesday, he will go back home, you know, go to work, whatever. And then, too, you know, that'll give us time apart from each other. You know, we believe in giving each other space. So I'm drinking. Now, let's fast forward to that Sunday. And he says, um, you need anything from the store? And I'm like, yeah. I said, get me a bottle of um, wine. He said, wait a minute. But it's liquor in here. Mind you, this is this. I'm, I'm gonna tell you why I'm going where I'm going. I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I said, but you know, I'd like to keep liquor on deck, you know, in case. He looked at me kind of side eye. I peeped that, I peeped that, but I ain't say nothing. So I'm like, all right. He's like, yeah, all right. I had to get up from the table and say, let me look in the cabinets. Let me tell you something. This is, and like I said, this is my story, and this is how I knew, I knew I had a problem. This is, this is, this is like signed, sealed, stamp. Um, I looked in the cabinet, Hennessy gone. His Ciroc, not that much. He had the tall bottle. I'm looking at the apple, the, the smell of apple, and I'm going, it was damn near half of a, a half of that whole big bottle. Wait a minute, it gets worse. I go in the refrigerator, the bottle of red Moscato, done. The pink Moscato, half of that was done. We talking from Thursday to Sunday. So I scared, excuse me y'all, cause I keep hitting my microphone, move this back a little bit, I'm sorry. I had to sit there and say to myself, yo, hold, whoa, 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 hold on. Let me tell you what went through my mind. I said, did I have company? Did my sisters come over? Cause I know my sister don't come, you know, we drink, have a good time, play music, play cards, you know, be silly. Then I said, my fiance, he don't drink like that. I swear to God, I'm saying, where did all this liquor go? And I sat here at the table and I said, yo, Houston, we got a problem. Yo, you sat here and drank the whole four days by yourself. And when I'm drinking, I'm going to go across town, cop my weed, because I got to have my weed. I don't smoke cigarettes. I've been cigarette free since um 2017 i haven't touched one cigarette went cold turkey i don't mess with cigarettes and smoking the weed kind of you know substituted the cigarettes so i was already a stoner straight stoner stoner but the more that i indulged in alcohol the more that i indulged with marijuana so i would even you know i got to make sure on fridays before i get off of work you know i got to make my call put my bed in yo have my people's yo tell do i be there you know you everybody know how the shit go yeah so I sat there at that table and I felt so bad. I was shameful. I was embarrassed. But most importantly, guys, I was scared. Because I said, damn, now I'm going to go back. I have, a, I seek psychotherapy. I have a psychotherapist, psychiatrist, and I have a social worker, which was, you know, recommended to me through my doctor that I was seeing since like 2020. And 
I remember um, last year, early on a year, my social worker actually had me to join an AA online at that time. This is when, you know, things was really, really, really crazy with, you know, with the COVID in the beginning of 2021. Remember, they were still trying to figure this out. And they opened up the world a little bit, but it was still, you know, a little, you know, really couldn't do but so much. Excuse me. And I had to, you know, I went online, a group about damn near 400 people. I'm exaggerating, probably like 200. But everybody from around the world, they had this group. So they actually welcomed me with open arms. You know, I had to say who I was, why I'm here. They actually had me to read off the serenity prayer and also had me to read the 12 steps. So, you know, that was my very first time, you know, getting into an AA. I remember sharing it with my family, talking to a few of my friends. And the one thing that I tell people when I tell people like I'm an alcoholic, T, you ain't no alcoholic. No, 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 no. That's your perception. I know because a lot of y'all and my family, they don't even know it until right now when they're really getting the whole, you know, the whole thing about, wow, I didn't know that my sister or my daughter was really spying out drinking like that. But I did it one time and I stopped. I don't know why I stopped. I don't know why I didn't go back, but I, you know, it was comfortable. I was cool. I was okay with it. Now, mind you, fast forward back to when I drank up all that liquor that weekend, it kind of took me aback to that AA. And I said, nah, D, you got to do something. Then I'm noticing that my stomach, I'm looking like I'm about nine months pregnant. I'm like, you know, to my fiance, he like, babe, ain't nothing wrong. But a woman lo- knows her body. Because I was doing keto in 2020 and I was, I mean, I dropped easy 33, 35 pounds within six months doing that keto. And I was looking like, you know, I was, I was looking like a snack, you know, but I, you know, relapsed back on the food, you know, it happens, but having that, battling with that, and then, you know, um, battling with alcohol and, you know, with marijuana. So I was dealing with a lot. And when I realized that I drank all of that alcohol, I just literally was like, oh my God. So I tried to slow down, but I couldn't because every, let me tell you something, guys. When I tell you every day when I was going to work, right? When you wake up in the morning, you know, you put your feet on the floor and me every morning, praises go to God. Go in the bathroom, brush my teeth, wash my face, take my shower and get myself ready and prepared to work. When you could wake up in the morning, and the first thing on your mind is alcohol. It's a problem. When you're at work and you can't wait to get off from work to have that drink, that's a problem. I made a made it my business. I will look at my cabinet and I will see that I'm running low on liquor and I will immediately run into a panic. Like, nope, I got to re-up. Because I'm not the type to be in the streets at all. Never been. You know, I'm home in my comfort zone. I got my music. I got my weed. I got my alcohol. You know, I got, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm comfortable. You know, got my refrigerator full of food, whatever I want, snacks, doesn't matter. But I literally had to say, yo. And I knew that every time that I purchased a bottle of liquor, I knew I was doing more damage than good. And the thing about me drinking was I wasn't an irate drinker. I wasn't the type of person that drank, you know, as far as being really irate. And I'm looking at my time, guys, and there's going to be multiple parts, obviously, because I really want to tell this story. So, you know, there'll be a part two, part three or whatever. But anyway, so I was continuously, you know, just drinking, 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 drinking. And the thing about being an alcoholic is that when you know you're an alcoholic, well, at least for me, I knew I had a problem, but I will still drink and I will feel bad afterwards. 
So me drinking, I, I wasn't irate. I'm more of an emotional drinker. Like my family can be, we all together and I could start drinking and I could just start crying. But that's the trauma. And I'll get into that in a second. That's the trauma. That's the trauma that comes with alcoholism. You know, because I'm traumatized, you know, dealing with my trauma through drinking and thinking that drinking is basically going to band-aid and going to help me. But it did more damage than good. So I drink, guys, every day. So fast forward to this year and why I got to the breaking point and what made me stop. I'll get to that in a second. But a few months before I made the decision to stop drinking, I go into the liquor store. The most embarrassing part is, you know, I go in here looking all good, as always. That's just me. I like to look good. And I'm looking like, you know, the the, the goddess that I am, you know, hair done, dressed really nice, you know, going in with my bag, you know, coming from where I was coming from. And when I walked into that liquor store, the goddamn Chinese lady immediately ran over there and picked up that damn bottle of Henderson. And I said, oh, shit. I got offended. Now, what the hell I get offended for? Now, I'm a regular there. So what am I mad for? What am I mad at her for? And she go, my friend, my friend, I got you. I got you. Hennessy right here, right here. So everybody in the store, you know, nobody didn't think none of it, you know, because, you know, from where we come from, we look at it when people in the store know us and know who we are. You know, we 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 think that that's celebrity status type shit, you know. But when it comes to alcohol, all that shit to me, now that I think about it, to me, it's an embarrassment. But um, I was like, all right, cool. So I looked at her, I get up to the window and I'm like, first of all, this is what I said though. First of all, I didn't want no Hennessy. Oh, I'm sorry, my friend. I know every time you come, my friend, you always drink Hennessy. I said, no. I said, you know, you ain't got to do all that. You know, now I'm standing strong and wrong and mad at her. She ain't did shit wrong, but that was my guilt and me feeling ashamed and embarrassed. I said, so do me a favor. You can put the Hennessy back. Thank you very much. And I want the um the pink the pink um Moscato. I ain't want that damn pink Moscato. I was just trying to make a point, right? But trying to fool myself, <laughs> trying to fool myself to say that you know I'm not really an alcoholic. So I got the wine, and I was mad as hell. I didn't want that damn wine, but bought it home, took a couple of sips, and wind up the next day going to get the bottle of Hennessy. But I wind up going to the other liquor store. I didn't want to go to this liquor store because I was a little embarrassed. But in my mind, as I'm walking to the um, liquor store, I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, you got a problem. You got a problem. Deidre, you got a problem. You got a problem. You got it. This is what I'm saying in my head. You got a problem. Got a problem. So fast forward to when I got to my breaking point, um, my cousin came down for her birthday, December 2021 came down for her birthday, came to my mom's crib, chilled with us. I had my, I'm always having my Hennessy on deck. This was December 18th, 2021. All right. So my cousin come through, we all chilling, you know, talking is always a vibe with my cousin. Her name is Snoozy. Always a vibe. Whenever Snoozy in the building, promise you it's a vibe. My cousin, coolest. She comes to the crib, we chilling. She's always family, family. Snoozy been family since I've known her. She loves her family, everybody. And um, she come through, chilling with her for her birthday you know we had liquor left from when my aunt passed back in november my mom my mother don't drink but you know there's so much liquor in the house so we all just drinking i'm drinking mine we took pictures and when i left i still had a little hennessy left i think yeah i took that with me and i'm in a cab now and you know how you're looking through the pictures now and i'm looking at the pictures because i love pictures 
I'm looking at the pictures and I'm saying, yo, I'm not liking how I'm looking. Like I'm really starting to look like I was bloated, like for real, for real. And when I saw that picture, immediately I got so emotional. And then I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I felt a while with drinking alcohol. You know, I'm like, here I go again, because I can just start thinking of certain things, you know, and thinking of certain things, you know, it kind of, you know, that that's what the trauma is about. That's why I want to share with with y'all, we're dealing with trauma and sobriety. So you guys can kind of get a a snapshot and a vision to my journey and what I'm dealing with. And I came home that night and I was crying. I caught my sister, Tanya, and she's like, what's the matter? I'm like, sis, I don't want to drink no more. I don't like how I feel. I don't like how I look. I said, what's wrong with you? Ain't nothing wrong with you. You're beautiful. I'm like, I just don't want to feel it no more. I don't want to drink no more. Anything that I'm going through, childhood, childhood trauma, adulthood, whatever I'm going through, I want to go through it and I want to deal with it sober. I don't want to have to keep going, going, drinking, drinking, you know, just to try to band-aid the pain because all it do is make it worse. And I cried to her. You know, and I'm crying, you know, and like, I, you know, I, I just can't. I don't want to do it no more. And December 18th of 2021, and I did it on my own, was I didn't drink. I, I didn't drink anymore. So let's do that. Hold on. Let's get me my pause, right? But what I wanted to share was now that I'm coming into this um, trauma and sobriety and how I'm dealing with it, guys. Um, I was seeking help. I had wanted to first find the most private way to get help. So I had went online looking for online treatment programs, you know, including individual groups um, and things in that nature. But then I decided to say no, because I know from when I tried it last year in a group online, you know, I didn't, I only went one time. I want to be able to be around people. I want to be able to be around people, like-minded people like myself that I...